Oh, man. Thank God for Mark Taylor and one sound. The just shall live by faith. My brothers and sisters, let me just remind you of something. Uh, it is so easy for the enemy to pull us and have us living by fear. Somebody, you're listening right now. Listen to me carefully. Uh, fear is the enemy of faith. Fear will have you focusing on yourself and focusing on what you can't control as opposed to faith focusing on God and then allowing God to be in control. Let me say it again. Fear focuses on what you can't control. Faith focuses you on God and allowing God to be in control of everything that's going on in your life. Trusting God. I was just reminded um, as I was going through some things, got some really uh, shocking emails and, and some challenging calls, some issues going on that uh, I have to deal with. And man, I was thinking about it and, and the Lord just gave me a sense of peace. And, and I just felt the spirit of God saying to me, just, just pray and just trust God. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen. Trust God that God is going to work it out. And that's the commitment that um, the Lord told me to make, uh, to pray and to trust and to have faith. So thank Elder Taylor and One Sound for reminding us that the just shall live by faith, not just our faith in God in terms of saving faith, but we have to learn to live by faith in terms of our serving faith, uh, in terms of our walking faith, in terms of our worshiping faith. Every aspect of our lives should be faith-filled aspects of our living. All right? Let's go to God and pray and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that all that is said and all that is done will be pleasing in your sight and bring glory and honor to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do you feel when somebody gives something to you and they have an attitude? You know, especially, especially when you have given to them or you've been a blessing to them and now you need them to reciprocate your generosity or you need them to do something for you and, and they have an attitude about it, right? I don't know about you, but, but man, that, that kind of irks me. You know, when, when you have asked and I've been there for you and I have supported you and I have extended myself for you and then I come back and ask you for something and, and it's almost like I'm infringing upon your right. That, 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 that bothers me, y'all, because I would think if somebody has been good to you, the least you could do is have a good attitude in being a blessing to them. Now, if you have a problem when somebody tries to give something to you and they got an attitude after you ask them, you know, because sometimes when they have an attitude, you'd be like, you know what, forget it. Don't even worry about it. Right? Come on. Don't act like I'm the only one. Don't judge me. You know what? Just keep it. I'll find it somewhere else. I'll get it somewhere else. If you get an attitude when somebody comes to you with the wrong attitude in their giving to you, imagine how God feels when it's time to give to God in support of the kingdom work. It's time to give to God in support of changing people's lives, 
And we act like we're doing God a favor when we are asked to give back to God out of what God has blessed us with. Can you imagine what God says when he looks at us, him and in hawing, when he looks at us and we're like, well, I ain't going to put that much in the offering. Huh? Or, you know, God, you, you want me to do what? 10%. I ain't giving that much. God, you know how much I make? And God is like, absolutely, because I'm the one that blessed you with that job and gave you the power, the strength, the energy, the mind to be able to do what you do. God says, each of us, we're challenged when we think about how do we give to him. And in this season of giving, you have bought presents and you are expecting presents. Let me ask you a question. How are you measuring up when it comes to giving to God? Today I want to share with you part three of our message, how to give God the best you have how to give God the best you have. Our foundational text is found in 1 Chronicles 29. And as we are quickly marching towards Christmas Day and we are going to run to see what presents are under the tree with our name on them and we want other people to see the presents that we have bought for them, my question to you is, what present have you given to God? How easily are you giving back to God. First Chronicles 29 is our text today. It's in that text that uh, David uh, teaches us what it means and celebrates what it means to be a generous giver to God. Uh, in First Chronicles 22, he gives all of the wealth from his wars and all of the gifts he had received to help build the temple of God. When he gets to chapter 29, he declares he is now giving his entire treasury. Not just what he got in terms of the spoils of war, but he's giving everything. He's giving everything, excuse me, that he has been blessed with. He's giving it all to God for the building of the temple. Now remember, his son Solomon is standing there as his successor. David wanted to build the temple, but God said, you had too much blood on your hands. I can't let you build the temple, but I will let you gather everything that's needed to build the temple so that your son Solomon can build it and will have an easier road to build it. You can be part of the process, but you cannot be the general contractor in the building of the temple. This gift was absolutely mind-blowing. Over four billion dollars in today's money. That was the size of the gift that David gave to the building of the temple. The people saw the example of David and they followed and they brought millions and millions of dollars in today's money. 188 tons of gold. Remember, a ton is 2,000 pounds. 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, uh, 3,750 tons of iron, 675 tons of silver they presented to the Lord. And David breaks out in praise to God. And one of his lines that we still repeat in many churches, all that we have has come from you, and of your own, God, we give back to you. We're not giving you anything that you haven't already given to us. 
It's amazing how many times we act as if God is doing us a favor or we're doing God a favor by giving to him. The fact is we are blessed and we are just properly responding to the blessing that God has been in our lives. Here's what I want you to see today. Number one, if you're going to give God the best you have, number one, you need to always give to God with the right amount. You need to always give to God the right amount. Uh, When I say give to God the right amount, uh, it's important for you to understand that the right amount is not necessarily a specific amount, but it's giving an amount that accurately reflects you understanding what God has blessed you with. Uh, Check it out, if you will. Verse 16, 1 Chronicles 29. O Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. If you have your Bibles, underline that. Highlight it if you're using an electronic copy. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. Integrity there. Uh, what, What does it mean to give with integrity? David says you need to always give to God the correct amount. You need to always give to God the correct amount. What does that mean? He challenges us to realize, first and foremost, that our generosity is rooted foundationally in God's goodness. That when you recognize God's goodness in your life, generosity should grow out of the soil of God's goodness, right? But here's what else God wants you to understand. The generosity of your hand is really an extension of the generosity that's in your heart. In other words, whatever is in your heart is what is going to be allowed to come out of your hand. If you have a greedy heart, you're going to have a stingy hand. David says we are incapable of being generous apart from realizing God's goodness because generosity is rooted in recognizing God's goodness. And we can't give properly without understanding and recognizing God's goodness. Here's what I hear David saying. God gives wealth as a test to see how you handle wealth to reveal whether or not you have true integrity in your heart. If I have true integrity, when God examines my heart, part of what he's going to see is my, in my heart is the recognition that what I have came from God. Which means if what I have came from God and I recognize that what I have came from God, then I, have, I should have no problem giving back to God. God. Here's what most of us think. Most of us erroneously think that giving 
is a amount issue. And what we fail to understand is giving is really not an amount issue, it's a heart issue. In other words, for some of you, you say, well, if I just made more money, I would give the Lord what belongs to the Lord. I've had people say to me, say, Pastor, boy, if I, if I hit this lottery, Pastor, you ain't going to have to worry about nothing at the church. Because, man, I hit this lottery, I'm going to give my 10%. Now, the problem is they're not doing 10% now. So if you're not giving 10% now, what makes you think God believes you're going to give them 10% when you get more later on? Because some of you told the Lord that before. You said, Lord, if you just let me get this raise, Lord, if you just let me get this promotion, ooh, I promise you, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to get my offering, I'm going to bless God. How long did that promise last? David says, when the Lord examines your giving, he is looking to see if there's integrity in your giving, and he checks in the integrity of your giving by not what's in your hand, but by what's in your heart, because he knows what's in your heart is going to be reflected in what's in your hand. So, so let me give you some examples, and, and if you can't say amen, just say ouch. If you live in a $500,000 house, and you drive a $75,000 car, and you wear $1,000 worth of clothing, and you put $10 in church, that's not giving with integrity. That giving lacks integrity. When your happy hour tab is larger than what you give to the Lord, that's giving without integrity. Come on, somebody say amen. If you can't say amen, say ouch. When what you take to the casino is more than you take to the Lord's house, that's giving without integrity. When you can pay to smoke more than you give in your offering, that's giving without integrity. When you spend more on coffee a week, then you give to the Lord. That's giving without integrity. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right about it. Preach, Cofield. When you pay $50 for services rendered and want to give $5 in the offering, that's, that's giving without integrity. When you have $200 worth of hair and $150 to get it put in, and then give God $20, and you gave the girl who did your hair a bigger tip than you gave to the Lord, that's giving without integrity. And the Lord says, I can check your integrity in terms of what's in your hand by looking at your heart. What does the Scripture say? What we give reflects our heart where your treasure is. That's where your heart is also. So don't come in talking about how much you love God and how you love the Lord and he heard your cry and pitied every groan and your giving to God lacks integrity. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 11 and 12. Now you should finish what you started. 
Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Now, here's the interesting thing. We want to give according to what we have after we spent everything we wanted to spend in order to buy everything we wanted to buy. Then we come broke and then say, Lord, this is all I have. And God says, no, you don't have integrity in your giving. Your heart is not right. It's not how much you have. Your heart is not right with God. Deuteronomy 16, verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. But you start with what you give to God. You don't give to God at the end after you do everything you want to do and then come to the Lord with what's left. You start by giving to God first. You start and begin with all things have come from God. I'm giving back to God just a portion of what he has given to me. Let me give in a way that honors God, that accurately reflects my love for God. And can I tell you something? I used to pray that prayer. I said, Lord, bless the giving, bless the givers, and, and may your, our giving accurately reflect our love for you. For you said where your treasure is there, where your heart will be also. And I was absolutely right that our giving did reflect our heart. The problem is our hearts are not always in the right place when it comes to God. Here's the second and final thing. Number two, you need to always give to God with the correct attitude. You not only give to him, you not only give to him with the correct amount, and that's the amount that you pray about and you ask God to show you. You don't believe in the principle of tithing. I believe in the principle of tithing. I believe in the principle of giving offerings to God. I don't believe that 10% belongs to God. I believe that it all belongs to God. And I'm only giving to God a portion of what he has given to me. Right? I want my giving to be an act of worship and to accurately reflect my love for God. You pray about how the Lord would have you to give. But then give. But you can't tell me. And you have no scripture to support a happy hour tab being bigger than your offering to the Lord. You have no scriptural support for that, right? You, you can't scripturally support spending more to look good on the outside than you do to take care of yourself on the inside and honoring God with your giving. He says you not only need to give God the correct amount, he says you need to give him what you give him with the correct attitude. Look at what it says, 17, the B part, 1 Chronicles 29. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Make your people always want to obey you. Listen to me carefully. David says, I have done this with good motives. Now watch this. 
David gives in abundance and then says to God, God, when you check my heart, you will see my giving was with integrity because I didn't give to bribe you or to attempt to bribe you to let me build the temple. I know I can't build the temple. I'm giving with the right motives. Here's what's interesting. For many people, they use the word motives to justify their mediocrity. So they start saying things like, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, God knows your heart, but he also knows what he's blessed you with. Well, God knows my motives. Yeah, but God wants to see if your motives are matching your methods. Are you doing all that you can to honor God in your giving? And then God says, now let me check your motives. But motives don't excuse us from doing the best that we can. God deserves our best. God not only desires our best, he deserves our best. And he commands the best from us. He says, you've got to learn how to give the right amount and with the right attitude. The correct amount and the correct attitude. And you say, what is it? Pray. Ask God to lead you. Ask God to guide you. And don't be alarmed when the answer that comes from God is more than you thought. Because i got to confess to you, I've had that happen to me. I've had that happen to me where I was praying. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to give? Lord, what do you want me to give? And, man, I get some number coming back at me, and I'm like, okay, Lord, is that you? Lord, is that really you? Because <laughs> that was way higher than I was thinking. And I can feel that confirmation in my spirit. But can I tell you something? I have never missed anything that I gave in obedience to God. I have never missed anything that I gave in obedience to God. Old song said, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. In this season where we're talking about giving to one another, please don't forget to give to God. Please don't forget to honor God in your giving. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, here it is, cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Let me read verse 8 again. And God is able, come on, somebody say able, to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God loves a cheerful giver. So he says, whatever the amount is that I am leading you to give, you've got to give that amount with the right attitude. Somebody said, give until it hurts. No, give until you're glad. Give until you are rejoicing. You have a breakthrough because you know you are walking in obedience with what God has told you to do. And I promise you, God will bless you and God will honor 
that gift. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 35, or 34 rather. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. You want to talk about real brotherhood and sisterhood in the church, in the early church? It's amazing how in this country we perceive capitalism as God's form of economy. Um, It's not capitalism. As a matter of fact, some would suggest that Acts chapter 4 is really a biblical justification for socialism. Socialism not in terms of the government, but socialism or socialistic practices in terms of the people of God. Because guess what they did? They shared. They looked out for one another. The Scripture talks about them having all things in common and distributing to each as any had need. It wasn't about getting, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. The church wasn't measured by how much they had. They were measured by how much they gave. The strength of the church was not measured in how many they could seat because they didn't even have a building. The New Testament church was measured by how many people they could send. And could they be a blessing to somebody else? Listen, in this Holy Day season, I want to encourage you and challenge you to think afresh and anew about what it means to give God the best that you have. And let me just close by reminding you of this. It's it's part your treasure, but it's more than your treasure. It's, It's giving to God the best that you have in terms of your time, in terms of your talent, in terms of your treasure, in terms of your temple, and in terms of your testimony. That in those five areas, you would give God the best that you have. And my hope and my prayer, my brothers and sisters, is that you would make that commitment today to give God the best that you have in your time, your talent, your temple, your treasure, and your testimony that you would give God the best that you have, recognizing that everything that you have, including who you are and what you have, has come to you from God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. And uh, thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, preaching power. And I just pray now, God, that you would Allow the word that has gone forth to find fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people. That we would be more than hearers of your word. We would be doers as well. We love you and we ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me say thank you for uh, being with us on today. Um, If you need the Lord in your life, I want you to click on the link. It says, I want to become a Christian. But how? And it will take you to a recording where I will show you how to ask the Lord into your life and become a Christian, what that means. It's not about church membership. It's about 
a relationship with a God who loves you so much. He loves you where you are, but he loves you so much. He doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life. Um, I also want to uh, encourage those of you who are looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be. Um, I, I've got to be honest with you, man. You know, I, I hear uh, so much preaching going on and a lot of it is about making you feel good for a moment. Um, but I want to help you to become good. I want to help you to walk in obedience with God so that you can fulfill your potential in the Lord. Uh, it's not about just making you feel good. Right? It's about giving you the tools that you need to walk in obedience so that the favor of God finds its way in your life. And, and I believe that that's what God has called me to do, and I want to help you to do that. And so if you want to become part of our church family, click on that link. I want to join a church, and we'll help you walk through that process on the digital platform. I want to thank those who are watching around the world. Thank you for sharing with us and would love to hear from you. Send us an email. Send me an email um, at dzcofield at goodhope.org. Uh, send me an email and let me know that you're listening, that you're watching, how the program is being a blessing to you and uh, want to encourage you in the Lord. As we're coming to the close of this year, uh, we're getting ready for 2022. Some exciting things are, are coming up. Um, our, our food pantry will be moving to Friday and Saturday. Um, those were days when we were, were really uh, effective and impactful, and we've grown so much in other areas of our campus um, that we have to make sure that we give room and space for everybody to be able to function. Um, but I've been praying and asking God to give me some direction in terms of how we can build a permanent space for our food pantry and, and give it an independence and autonomy to be able to serve people in our community. Because this issue of food insecurities, they're not going away anytime soon, anytime in the foreseeable future. And so we want to make sure that we do our part to be a blessing to people who are in need of a blessing. Um, our youth diversionary program is up and running and we're excited about what God is doing in the lives of these young people and their families as we help them to change the trajectory of their lives so that they can become the positive contributing members of society that they can be and be the best that they can possibly be. Um, we've got so many other plans, our legal clinic, our mobile legal clinic uh, that we're going to be serving in community. Uh, we'll be uh, reconnecting with our health and wellness ministry and our initiatives in the community, um, testing people. Over the years, we've tested hundreds of people uh, around prostate cancer, black men, six times more likely to contract the disease, three times more likely to die of it. Um, we make sure that we get uh, our brothers tested, um, mammograms, free mammograms for people in the community through our partnerships. Um, there's so many other things that we're working on. And I just want you to keep us in prayer that we would be uh, wise in who we connect with in order to make sure that we're helping people fulfill their potential in Christ. Again, I want to thank Mark Taylor and One Sound for being with us and blessing us on this day. Listen, I hope you've been blessed by our daily Christmas devotionals, Let's Have Church. I um, hope you signed up to get the reminders. Um, they air Central Time, 7 a.m., 12 noon, 
7 p.m. So if you miss it, you can catch it later on, or you can go to our website, goodhope.org, and you can worship on demand right there, see previous services. And man, we're working hard to get ready to uh, launch our digital discipleship ministry and excited about what God is doing. So many things. Just keep us in prayer, please, because I know the devil can't be pleased when we have people who are accepting Christ around the world as a result of this broadcast, this ministry. I know the devil is not pleased, but we're going to keep on fighting the good fight. Put on the armor of God and keep on toiling in Jesus' name. All right? Until next time, God bless. Listen, if I don't talk to you or see you, man, have a Merry Christmas. And if I miss you after Christmas, make sure you have a Happy New Year as well as we get ready to go into the new year. We'll be here on the digital platform as we go into the new year for our Watts Night service and everything else that we're doing, our Christmas service, we'll be on the digital platform getting ready to move into new year, into the new year with uh, excitement and joy and enthusiasm committed to doing all that God wants us to do. All right? God bless you. God be with you. Remember, God is doing something wonderful in you.